standing in body or in spirit, we come before God's word this morning. And as we do so, we remember that in Jesus' day, perhaps the fundamental confession of faith came from Moses, and it was called the Shema. And Jesus made it the basis of what he called the great commandment. And so following his example, we join together in the Shema. And I'll invite you to follow after me in the Hebrew, and we'll join together in English. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. When we left Moses last week, he had received a call from God at the burning bush. And he took this call and went and told his people that God was going to free them. The people were very excited to hear that. Then he took the word to Pharaoh that God was going to free them. Pharaoh was less excited to hear it. And so Pharaoh said, well, if you've got all that time to go and be free and to worship out a three days journey in the wilderness then obviously you don't need uh, us to provide the straw for your bricks. So you can go gather your own straw for your bricks. And the people's response now uh, was uh, difficult for Moses. And this is where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 6. We'll do verses 6 through 10. um, And Greg already read to the children the last couple verses of this uh, passage. And God uh, says to Moses, Tell the Israelites that I am the Lord your God, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will... Uh, free you from being their slaves, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. And I will take you to be my people, and you will know that I am your God who brought you out from under the oppression of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land that I swore with lifted hand to give to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. It will be your possession, and I, you will know, I am your God. So Moses went and reported all these things to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and their harsh labor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I used to think that if God spoke to me, I would recognize it right away and, and I would respond and do whatever God said. But when you look at the Bible, you find all sorts of instances of people uh, to whom God speaks and they don't do what God says for them to do. Uh, in our story, uh, today we come across the Israelites and Moses brings them the word of God and we're told they don't listen. Before that, in an earlier chapter, Moses brings the word of God to Pharaoh and he doesn't. Listen, a little bit later in the Bible, there'll be a young boy named Samuel, and he's going to be a prophet. But three different times, God will have to speak to try to get his attention. And then to crown it and top it all off in the New Testament, uh, one day the voice of God, uh, the Father, speaks from heaven to Jesus. And the people around Jesus said, did you hear anything? And some said it just thundered. They couldn't even recognize the voice. 
So it got me wondering this morning, what is it that makes it so difficult to hear and respond to God's voice? And my first thought was, well, maybe when God speaks, it's a different language. Maybe there's a heavenly language and we just, our ears aren't trained uh, to, uh, to interpret it and receive it. But the fact of the matter is, most of the time in the Bible, God tends to speak through another human being using the uh, language that we are familiar with. And so God used another human human being Moses to go and speak to the people and the words that they could hear in the New Testament when God wanted us to know what God is like and what God's plans for us were God used a human being uh, Jesus and uh, indwelling Jesus and spoke in ways that we could hear so I'm thinking it's not that and so maybe it's it's when God speaks maybe our problem is not that we don't know what God's saying maybe our problem is we don't really like what God's saying a lot of the times maybe uh maybe it doesn't really seem like good news for us so for example my wife could probably testify that occasionally she might speak and I might not listen very well and sometimes the words she's speaking involve words like yard work or weeding are shopping and, and the message, you know, I get it at one level, but it doesn't seem to really translate at the other. Maybe it's that. But if you look closely at the story this morning, this is good news that Moses is bringing to the people. God says, I'm going to do four things. I'm going to bring you out of slavery and I am going to free you from being slaves. And then I am going to do some really mighty acts uh, on your behalf. And then I'm going to take you and make you my people. By the way, these four things are why they have four cups at the Passover meal there to celebrate these four things that God promised. So this is good news. And yet they don't listen. So maybe it's not that. Well, maybe it was this. Maybe uh, maybe they didn't have the signs that they had the first time. Uh, The first time Moses went and spoke to them, Moses got their attention through some uh, tricks that Moses had up his sleeve, more or less, and you're probably familiar with them. First one was Moses could take Aaron's staff and could throw it on the ground and the staff would become a a snake and then pick it back up and it's a, a, a stick again. Then Moses had another one where he'd take his hand and put it in his cloak and come out and it would be leprosy. Stick the hand back in, pull it out, and it's clean and there is no leprosy. So maybe that's the difference between the people who the first time listened to Moses and the second time now they won't listen to him even though it's good news. Except there is this thing in the New Testament where Jesus tells some people who are looking for signs, I'm not going to give you any signs. There, there's a school of thinking in the Bible that says it's actually the less mature people in the faith who need miracles. The more mature people in the faith are going to trust God and they're going to recognize and see God even without the supernatural uh, or the things that we are willing to recognize as supernatural. So I'm thinking none of those completely explain why these people, the Hebrews, could listen to Moses in uh, chapter 5 and then turn on Moses and not listen to the voice of God in chapter 6. Well, I could speculate um, all day, and it would be fun for me, but pretty boring for you on why this happened. But an easier way to do this might be just to go to the Bible and see if the Bible has any thoughts about why they didn't listen. Sure enough, there are a couple thoughts there. And it says that the people did not listen to Moses because they were discouraged. It's interesting. Apparently, it's a word picture in Hebrew that's like they're out of breath. 
They, they don't have all their breath. Like if you and I went and, and started climbing stairs at the, uh, at, at the Washington Monument or, or we're trying to climb up the Empire State Building, there'd be a point at which we'd be gassed. And the people are gassed in a sense. They're discouraged. They're out of gas for this sort of thing. So to me, that raises the question, why are they so discouraged? Because God has said, I'm going to free you. I'm going to conquer the Egyptians. You're going to have your own place. Well, I'm wondering if they're discouraged because God said it, but it hasn't happened yet. In fact, the only thing that's happened since the first time Moses told the people, hey, God's going to set you free is this. Pharaoh said, okay, you want time on your hands? Go gather your own straw for the bricks. And the oppression got even heavier. So the promised deliverance from God hasn't yet come. And apparently that's why they're discouraged. I thought about that in my own life. And I think a lot of my arguments with God are really not about what God has promised, but really about the timing of God delivering on those promises. God doesn't seem to want to do things on my schedule. I'm a little bit like the proverbial person you may recall who yells out to God, Lord, grant me patience and do it now. Or like the person who comes to God because they have an important decision to make about a job or a move. And God, you need to let me know your will by Tuesday at four o'clock. You know, I think some of our difficulties are God doesn't always do it on our time schedule. We expect God to respond a certain way. And God is responding, but not necessarily at the pace that we would like. And this happens, I think, again and again in the scripture. And it certainly happens in my life and so I expect God to come through immediately in the way that I want and in the time that I want and those expectations set me up for disappointment and discouragement you may have heard a phrase that a number of us use around here and the phrase uh, goes something like this that expectations are premeditated resentments or that they are resentments and waiting anytime we put an expectation upon someone else without their uh, approval or response, we sort of set them up to disappoint us. And I think some of us don't just do this with people. I think some of us do this with God. And so if God doesn't respond in that way or in our time, we'll be discouraged and disappointed. And the fact of the matter is, in, in the Exodus, God's going to take God's time. It's going to take God a while to do all of this, not because God is not capable of doing things instantly, But so many more things happen as God plays out over time. So I just want to highlight three of them real quick this morning. By God taking God's time, one of the things that happens is God will end up sending ten plagues upon the Egyptians. We'll talk more about these plagues a little bit later, actually starting next week. But one of the things is uh, that each one of the plagues in some way aims at a god or goddess of the Egyptians. And by striking in this plague, God strikes down the power of that god or goddess. And so it takes ten plagues to pretty much wipe out almost every god or goddess the Egyptians uh, hold valuable to themselves. So basically, if you're an Egyptian and you still believe in all these gods by the time our god is through, you're really dense. Because God has showed you that all these gods are toothless. They have nothing. Uh, Another thing that God accomplishes by taking God's time and using all these plagues is by the time that is it's it's uh, the time for uh, the Hebrews to escape from Egypt. The people in Egypt give them presents and say, please go, go. And um, the Bible says in one case that they actually win the favor of the Egyptians. 
over this time, they, the Egyptians no longer mistrust the Hebrews, but they actually come to really support their effort toward freedom. And then finally, it will take this much time, including the Red Sea, to completely vanquish Pharaoh. We mentioned a few weeks ago that Pharaoh believes that he is a god and that he's responsible for the flooding of the Nile and the rising of the sun. Well, it will take a while, but eventually God will show Pharaoh that, in fact, Pharaoh is not a god either. It sometimes takes a while for the plan of God to come together because sometimes other people aren't ready. Sometimes we're not ready. It's hard for us to know. You may know how, how they got into Egypt in the first place, and that's because uh, there was a Hebrew named Joseph who, when he was 17 years old, had a dream that one day he was going to rule and people were going to bow down to him. Well, he went from there to becoming a slave, and he went from there to becoming a prisoner. And for at least 13 years, there's no sign that this dream is going to be fulfilled. But then one day the call comes to Joseph in the bottom of a dungeon and he gets an audience with Pharaoh and becomes second in command of Egypt. But what I want you to see in the story is not only did it take at least 13 years, some say longer, but by the, in those intervening 13 years, this young Hebrew boy has learned how to speak Egyptian and he has learned how to manage, first of all, a large household and then secondly, a large prison. He is ready to be second in command of Egypt when the time is right. Sometimes God's plans are are discouraging to us because they take so long. But that's usually about the right length. For whatever reason, if we had exactly what we wanted at this moment in the way we wanted it, we might not be ready. The other people that are involved perhaps might not be ready because God's plans take time. Then the Bible says there's actually one other reason why they won't listen to Moses. Not only because they're discouraged, but it says because of their hard labor. They are oppressed and they are enslaved and it makes it hard for them to hear the voice of God. And I'm not going to pretend that any of us know what actual slavery was like. But I think we all know that sometimes we can work so hard and be so busy about things that we can't really hear God's voice very well. Have you ever noticed that you or one of your friends goes on a spiritual retreat and comes back and has a spiritual high and has a great time? Have you ever wondered why that happened on the spiritual retreat and didn't happen in their living room? Part of it was they created the space. They got away from their labor for a while and gave God better room in which to move and to speak. Um, that's the beautiful thing about creating and keeping a Sabbath. It gives God an opportunity to speak uh, in a way that God um, uh, doesn't speak, or at least we can't hear when we are so busy about our daily labor. And then another thing, quite frankly, is while you and I might l- not literally be enslaved to uh, a country, a nation, or other people, we do have things that keep us in bondage and make it hard to hear. I was thinking about this in my own life, and one of the things that I've identified that often I get in bondage to is, is other people's opinions. You know, I, I, I want them to like me. I don't know if you've seen the surveys, but 95% of people who go into ordained ministry have high needs for affirmation from other people. And back when I went into it, actually, people liked pastors. <laughs> I chose poorly. Um, But I know that makes it sometimes hard to hear what God is really saying. Because maybe 
I could do something right, be criticized for it, but actually it be the right thing. Makes it hard, this enslavement. Another enslavement I know I have is to success. And when things don't go well and it's not successful, I immediately judge that there's a problem. Rather, it could be something actually being done right. It, this, this enslavement makes it hard to hear God's voice. And there will be people around us who have other enslavements, who have addictions to uh, substances or alcohol, or, um, or they'll have struggles. And different things will oppress them and make it hard for them to hear the voice of God. We have to be reasonably free in order to hear that voice that's speaking. One of the things the missionaries used to say uh, in the last couple centuries was that a person cannot hear the gospel on an empty stomach. And so uh, oftentimes it's people, if they're not educated well, or or they don't uh, have decent uh, employment, or they don't have enough food, or they don't have health care, they can't hear the voice of God in the same way that if they were more free, they could hear. So what it makes me realize this morning is I need to look at my own life and say, what oppresses and enslaves me makes it hard to hear God's message to me, which is a message of love and acceptance. And then what about the other people around me? Could I do something for them that might help lift a burden off their shoulder so they might be more free to hear because I think if the, if the Bible story says anything this morning, it says that the journey to freedom starts by first hearing God's voice and hearing God's call for freedom and the fact that God is declaring us actually loved and free. And it's hard to hear when we're discouraged. And it's hard to hear when things oppress us. I'm reminded of a story uh, told by a guy named Mark Stibby, who is a pastor in the uh, U.K., his father uh, fought for the British in, uh, in World War II and was captured by the Nazis and imprisoned in, as a POW. And he said when the war ended uh, and there was surrender, he said, at that moment, my dad was legally free. He was still in the prison, but legally he was free. He said when the soldiers got to the prison, they opened the gates and he said, my dad was actually free. But he said for years, the trauma of being in that prison worked on him, and he said it took a long time before my dad went from legally free to actually free to finally free. The journey to freedom is always a long journey. From God declaring us that we, that we are loved and free to us experiencing it and to finally us being able to live in it. I'm convinced that it is a long journey, but I'm also convinced that it's a journey that is begun and it is aided by the willingness and ability to hear God's voice.